Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Do you love history but hate when it's stuffy and boring? Well, look no further and join me, Katie Charlwood, your friend, the neighborhood social scientist and reader of books as I delve into unsolved historical mysteries murders by gaslight and of course women who have been misrepresented through all time on who did what now the history podcast that's not your history class listen wherever you get your podcasts hello and welcome to history tea time i'm lindsay holiday and i'm spilling the tea on history the four tudor queens Two, Mary the First. The Tudor era is all about the women. Once you get past Henry VIII and his six wives, three successive queens got a chance to warm the throne of England. But being a queen in a man's world wasn't easy. Unfortunately, these reigning women were pitched against each other in deadly struggles for power. In these four episodes, we'll look at the lives of the four queens of Tudor Britain, Jane Grey, Mary I, Elizabeth I, and Mary Queen of Scots, and examine their brief, bloody, brilliant, and bumbling reigns. In the last episode, we met Jane Grey, the teenager who was thrown onto the throne by ambitious men, keen to keep England Protestant and themselves in power. Today we'll meet her rival and cousin, who raised an army to bring Jane's rule to an end after just nine days. And so, without further ado. Queen Mary I of England Born a princess, Mary was declared illegitimate by her father when he divorced her mother in his desperate attempts to father a male heir. When her brother died, he passed her over and named their cousin queen instead. But the people supported Mary. She rode to London and had her usurper beheaded. Now the first unquestioned queen of England, she undid her father and brother's work to convert the nation from Catholicism. She burnt Protestants at the stake and earned the name Bloody Mary. Desperate for a child, she made an unpopular marriage with a man who didn't care for her and suffered two humiliating false pregnancies. She died at 42, passing the throne to her sister, who overshadowed her for the rest of history. Henry VIII was only the second Tudor king of England. His father, Henry VII, had defeated King Richard III at the Battle of Bosworth and taken the crown with a somewhat shaky genealogical claim. 
But Henry was proving to be a powerful king and was cementing his place on the throne with the help of his beautiful and intelligent wife, Catherine of Aragon. She was the daughter of another power couple, Isabel I of Castile and Fernando II of Aragon, who set in motion the unification of Spain, began the Spanish Inquisition, and launched Christopher Columbus's expedition to the New World. Catherine herself had ridden into battle while pregnant to defeat her husband's enemy, King James IV of Scotland. Henry and Catherine were very much in love and had the personalities and popularity to launch a legendary royal dynasty. But in order to have a dynasty, they needed to have children. And so far, the couple had found only tragedy in reproduction. Their first child, a daughter, came too early and was stillborn. Their second, Prince Henry, was celebrated across the country and given the title Duke of Cornwall. But he died after just 52 days of life from an intestinal malady. Two more stillborn sons followed. After six years of marriage, Catherine went into confinement. Hope was high, as always, that a healthy baby boy would be delivered to carry on the Tudor dynasty. And on February 18, 1516, the queen gave birth to a living, healthy child. The king, queen, and all the kingdom rejoiced. But there was one thing which slightly dampened the celebrations. The baby was a girl. Despite her mother and grandmother's dynamism, neither Henry nor any of his medieval courtiers believed that a woman was capable of ruling the nation. The only queen who had ever tried to claim the throne of England was Matilda. Her reign led to civil war, and her crown was stolen by her cousin, Stephen. Henry VIII didn't have any brothers to follow him in the succession. So to him, having a son was absolutely imperative. He comforted his wife by reminding her that they were still young and she had many years to give him healthy sons. Besides, daughters could be incredibly valuable to a king by serving as bargaining chips on the European marriage market. The baby was baptized Mary after her father's favorite sister who had briefly been Queen of France. As was customary, the princess was raised away from her parents. She had her own household with dozens of servants, women to rock her enormous cradle 24 hours a day, and even her own laundress. Henry VIII's cousin, Margaret Pole, the Countess of Salisbury, was appointed to be her governess and was the central mother figure of Mary's childhood. But her parents did visit her often. At two, Mary was betrothed to the six-month-old Dauphin of France, son of King Francis I. The prince was too young to travel, so the betrothal ceremony was done by proxy, with a French admiral standing in for the groom. The toddler princess went up to him and asked, Are you the Dauphin? If so, I want to kiss you. Mary was a precocious child. At four, she entertained the French ambassador with a performance on the virginals. Her father bragged that his daughter never cried. By the time she was six, relations with France had fallen apart, and Mary was betrothed for the second time to her mother's nephew, Holy Roman Emperor Charles V. 
He was 22 when the alliance was negotiated, but after a few years, he decided that he couldn't wait for his child fiance to grow up to start building his own dynasty. So he cordially broke off the betrothal and wed Isabella of Portugal, who was closer to his own age. Queen Catherine took great interest in her only child's education. She commissioned Spanish humanist Juan Luis Vives to write a treatise on the education of Christian girls. Other noble mothers followed the queen's lead, and for a generation, aristocratic girls were educated far more than they ever had been before. Mary was a serious child and studied diligently. She could read and write in Latin by the age of nine. She studied French, Spanish, and Greek, and learned to play music and dance beautifully. She was a credit to her father who doted on her. After all, she was his spitting image. She had a fair complexion with ruddy cheeks and Tudor reddish gold hair. He declared publicly that Princess Mary was his rightful heir. At nine, he sent her to Ludlow Castle, the traditional seat of the Prince of Wales, though Mary was never officially invested with a title traditionally given to the heir apparent, as Henry was still holding out hope that he would have a son. By now, Queen Catherine was 40 and had not become pregnant in seven years. Henry had fathered an illegitimate son, Henry Fitzroy, by his mistress, Bessie Blount, so he felt confident that the fertility problems were his wife's. He asked her to retire to a convent and allow him to remarry. Had Catherine agreed, Mary would have remained legitimate and in the line of succession, but the queen refused to give up her place. Henry obsessed over a biblical passage from Leviticus, which states that it is a sin to marry your brother's widow, and that such a couple would be childless. Catherine's first husband had been Henry's older brother, Arthur, but he had died at 15, and Catherine swore that the marriage had never been consummated. She also argued that their marriage was not childless, they had Mary. Henry asked the Pope for an annulment, but he was under siege from the Holy Roman Emperor Charles V, Catherine's nephew, so he refused. Henry VIII did not like to hear no, and he was infatuated with a new woman, Anne Boleyn, whom he was confident would give him his son and heir. With the help of Anne's chaplain, Thomas Cranmer, whom he appointed Archbishop of Canterbury, Henry used the Protestant movement to make himself head of the new Church of England. He dissolved the monasteries and enriched himself by looting their wealth, much to the horror of his devout wife. In 1531, she was banished from court, and her rooms and jewels were given to Anne. Catherine went to Windsor to be with Mary, who had been suffering depression and frequent illness, likely due to anxiety about her and her mother's precarious position. After spending one last summer together, mother and daughter would never see each other again. In 1533, Henry married Anne, who was pregnant with his child. The king required everyone to swear the oath of supremacy, that he was the one supreme head of the church, that his marriage to Catherine of Aragon was invalid, and that Mary was illegitimate. Those who refused to swear were executed. This included the woman who raised Mary, Countess Margaret Pole. 
She refused to kneel on the scaffold, saying, so should traitors do, and I am none. When the executioner raised his axe, she ran. He chased her all around the scaffold and finally hacked her to death. Mary was downgraded from princess to the Lady Mary. Her servants were dismissed and she was sent to wait on her new baby half-sister, Elizabeth. Despite the danger, the 17-year-old refused to swear the oath of supremacy. She was her father's daughter, after all, and was just as headstrong as he. Father and daughter sent many furious letters to one another and didn't see each other for three years. When Henry went to visit Elizabeth, he refused to see Mary. Queen Anne Boleyn would not allow her stepdaughter at court. As punishment for their obstinance, the king refused to allow Catherine and Mary to see each other. Faithful servants secreted letters between them, but Catherine died of cancer at the age of 50 and Mary was inconsolable. Henry forbade her to attend her mother's funeral. After three years, Anne Boleyn angered Henry by failing to deliver a son. He had her arrested on false charges of adultery and incest and beheaded. Princess Elizabeth was also declared illegitimate and removed from the succession. Two weeks later, Henry married wife number three, Jane Seymour. She had been a maid of honor to Queen Catherine, and she felt kindly towards Mary. She urged the king to make peace with his eldest daughter, and he agreed if she would swear the oath of supremacy. Mary wrote to her father that she would submit to his authority as far as God and my conscience permitted. But Henry sent men to bully her, even threatening to beat her to death. Finally, she signed a document agreeing to all of her father's demands. Now that he had his way, Henry welcomed his daughter back at court and allowed her fine clothes, an allowance, and the return of her household, including her closest friend, Susan Clarencieux. During these happy years, Mary became a fashion trendsetter and enjoyed playing music and gambling at cards. Rebels in the north of England rose up against Henry's act of supremacy, and one of their demands was that Mary be made legitimate. The pilgrimage of grace was ruthlessly suppressed, and the rebels hanged. In 1537, Queen Jane finally gave birth to a son, Edward, to secure Henry's dynasty. She died 12 days later of childbed fever. Mary was made godmother to her half-brother and acted as chief mourner at Queen Jane's funeral. Mary, now 23, was past her prime in the Tudor marriage market, but her tenuous position and lack of a title made her matrimonial prospects challenging. Duke Philip of Bavaria courted her, but his suit fell through. A potential alliance was negotiated between Mary and William, Duke of Cleves, who were about the same age. But when King Henry saw a portrait of the Duke's sister Anne, he decided that their marriage should be the one in the treaty instead. Once the king saw the German princess in person, he was less impressed. She agreed to an annulment, and Henry left her with an estate, a fortune, and her head still attached to her neck. The king's fifth wife, 16-year-old Catherine Howard, wasn't so lucky. She was found guilty of adultery and beheaded. 
at the Christmas Festival of 1542, while her father was without a queen. Mary acted as hostess. Henry had his eye on one of his daughter's ladies-in-waiting, Catherine Parr, whom he made his sixth and final wife. She urged him to reconcile with both his daughters. The family grew closer than ever before, and both Mary and Elizabeth were added back into the succession, after their brother, of course. But they remained legally illegitimate and without the title of princess. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. In 1547, Henry VIII died at the age of 55. He left his eldest daughter a wealthy woman, with estates in Norfolk, Suffolk, and Essex, many of which had previously belonged to the Boleyn family. She felt maternally towards the new king, her nine-year-old brother, Edward VI. A regency council ruled in his name, headed by his maternal uncle, Edward Seymour, and populated by devout Protestants. Though Henry had made his people reject the Pope and swear that he was the head of the church, he was still basically a practicing Catholic and did little to reform the church. But Edward's council passed a number of laws banning the Catholic Mass and ensuring all churches in the land performed Protestant rites in English. Mary was not raised to be especially devout. But out of loyalty to her mother and in defiance of those who had pulled her from her rightful place, she remained faithful to Roman Catholicism and celebrated Mass four times a day in her own chapel. The common people were not enthusiastic about their forced conversion, and it looked very bad that such a high-profile person was openly defying the king. Edward argued frequently with his sister over her refusal to convert. She asked her cousin, Emperor Charles V, to apply diplomatic pressure so that she would be allowed to practice her religion. He even sent ships to rescue her from England, but she wasn't keen to leave her wealth behind. 
At the Christmas celebrations of 1550, the 13-year-old king brought both his sister and himself to tears in front of the whole court by reproving her for ignoring his religious laws. At 15, King Edward fell seriously ill with a lung infection, or possibly tuberculosis. He was determined that the crown should not go to his sister, as she would surely undo his religious reforms. His second sister, Elizabeth, was Protestant, but as both sisters had been declared illegitimate, he could not disinherit one and not the other. So he signed a new will, handing the throne to his next nearest relative, his cousin, 16-year-old Lady Jane Grey. Mary was summoned to court to visit her dying brother, but she was warned that the summons was a trap meant to capture her and prevent her from claiming the throne. Mary fled to East Anglia, where she knew the many Catholic people would be loyal to her. When Edward's death was announced, she wrote to the Privy Council, demanding that she be proclaimed queen per her father's will. Jane Grey was declared queen by the council instead. With the might of the Tower of London's arsenal behind her, Jane's victory seemed all but assured. But the council underestimated the people's loyalty to Mary. They felt the throne had been stolen from her illegally. As Mary marched towards London, she gathered an army of 20,000 ragtag supporters. The council had to pay double to raise just 3,000 men to fight for Jane. The battle was lost before it was fought. The councillors who had put young Jane in this perilous position abandoned her and swore loyalty to Mary. Jane was arrested and imprisoned in the tower. Her reign ended after only nine days. Mary, accompanied by her half-sister Elizabeth, rode triumphantly into London on August 3, 1553, on a wave of popular support. She was now the first unquestioned Queen Regnant of England. She kept Jane Grey locked up in the tower, but she understood that her cousin had been a political pawn and didn't want to execute her. Mary's first acts as queen were to appoint Susan Clarencieux mistress of the robes and release a number of imprisoned Catholics. She issued a proclamation that she would not compel her subjects to follow her religion, but within months she ordered the arrests of a number of prominent Protestants. Her first parliament declared her parents' marriage valid and herself legitimate abolished Edward VI religious laws, and made peace with the Pope. Mary also brought back the heresy laws her father had overturned, which allowed those who went against the Catholic faith to be burned at the stake. The 37-year-old queen turned her attention to finding a husband and producing an heir to keep her Protestant sister Elizabeth off the throne. A number of English gentlemen came forward as suitors, but the queen wanted to wed a fellow royal. Her former fiancé, Emperor Charles V, suggested she marry his only son, Prince Philip, who was heir to vast territories in Europe and the New World. This portrait of him was sent to the queen, and she became infatuated with the 26-year-old prince. The marriage was very unpopular, 
According to English law, a wife's possessions and titles rightfully belonged to her husband, and the English did not want to be swallowed up by the vast Habsburg Empire. When Mary insisted on wedding her dashing cousin, rebellions broke out. One in particular, Wyatt's Rebellion, counted Jane Grey's father among its leaders and aimed to put Jane back on the throne. Mary faced the fact that as long as her cousin remained alive, she would continue to inspire insurrection. So she had the 17-year-old Nine Days Queen beheaded. Princess Elizabeth was also implicated in the rebellion plot. She was interrogated and imprisoned in the Tower of London. Mary didn't trust her sister, who was also a rallying point for Protestants. She let her out of the tower after two months, but kept her under house arrest and surveillance. Philip finally arrived in England with an impressive entourage of 70 ships and a thousand followers. Two days later, on July 25, 1554, the couple were wed at Winchester Cathedral. Mary was quite taken with her charming young groom. Philip, on the other hand, had no interest in his bride, aside from the political advantages the marriage brought. He became King of England. Parliament was called and documents were signed in both of their names. Coins were minted with both of their faces. But England was not obliged to provide military support to Philip's father, and Philip could not act without his wife's consent or appoint foreigners to office in England. To elevate his son to Mary's rank, Emperor Charles granted Philip the crown of Naples, as well as his claim to the Kingdom of Jerusalem. Mary thus became Queen of Naples and Jerusalem. Philip could not speak English, so he and Mary conversed in a mixture of Spanish, French, and Latin. Two months after the wedding, the queen stopped menstruating. She gained weight and felt nauseated in the mornings. She was thrilled when her doctors assured her that she was pregnant. Of course, they were not permitted to give Her Majesty a physical examination. Philip and Susan Clarencieux both expressed doubts that the Queen was really with child. Parliament passed an act making Philip regent in the event of Mary's death in childbirth. In April, Elizabeth was released from house arrest and called to court to witness the birth, which was expected to be imminent. But as the 10th and 11th months ticked by with no signs of labor, rumors flew. An ambassador wrote that the queen's pregnancy was likely to end in wind rather than anything else. One nervous doctor assured Mary that boys took longer in the womb. By July, her swollen belly began to recede. She probably suffered a psychosomatic episode induced by her overwhelming desire to have a child. Following the humiliation of her false pregnancy, Philip left her to wage war on the continent. Heartbroken, Mary fell into a deep depression. She considered the episode God's punishment for her having tolerated heretics in her realm. Mary ordered three prominent Protestants to be publicly burned at the stake. One of them was Thomas Cranmer, who had facilitated the act of supremacy and her parents' divorce so many years ago. 
She named Reginald Pole, the son of her executed governess, Margaret, the new Archbishop of Canterbury. 800 rich Protestants fled the country. Those who remained became targets of persecution. Local governments used the heresy laws to burn men, women, and even children who were called out by their neighbors in a witch hunt atmosphere. Altogether, 280 Protestants were burned at the stake, gaining Mary a great deal of hatred and the nickname Bloody Mary. But for some perspective, her father had an estimated 57 thousand people executed during his reign. Elizabeth I too executed many hundreds of people, including her own cousin, Mary Queen of Scots. Over in Europe, Emperor Charles V had abdicated and made his son King Philip II of Spain and ruler of the vast Spanish Empire, though the Holy Roman Empire went to his brother, Ferdinand I. Mary wrote to her husband, begging him to return. He did so only to request she supply him with troops for his war with France. She was willing to do anything to please him, so she agreed and was rewarded with the loss of Calais, the last English possession in France. The defeat humiliated Mary. From then on, English monarchs could no longer call themselves rulers of France but they did anyway. On top of all that, the English economy was in poor condition. Years of wet weather led to bad harvests and the wool trade had dried up. The English had hoped to get involved in Spain's profitable trade in the New World, but Spanish merchants jealously guarded their routes and Mary, not wanting to upset her darling husband, didn't push the issue. The queen did hear daily reports on the state of her kingdom and was far more involved in governing than her father had ever been. She took actions to improve the lives of her people. She promoted education and introduced economic policies which were beginning to have a positive effect. But she didn't live long enough to get the credit for any of her beneficial changes. Elizabeth was implicated in yet another plot to overthrow Mary, but Philip asked his wife to spare her sister's life. He had other plans for his sister-in-law. Within a few months, Philip left again, and Mary once more believed that she was pregnant. She had a swollen belly and other symptoms. Once again, the months ticked by with no signs of labor, and the queen's belly receded but this time there was a more sinister cause behind her symptoms than her own desperate desire for a child. Queen Mary had uterine or ovarian cancer. Weakened by the disease, the queen was also struck by an influenza pandemic which was sweeping through Europe. Desperately ill and confined to her bed, she faced reality and named her younger sister, Elizabeth, as her heir. Queen Mary I died in her sleep on November 17, 1558, at the age of 42. Elizabeth, now queen, spent the modern equivalent of $2 million to bury her sister in Westminster Abbey in an elaborate funeral. Philip, who did not attend, wrote, I felt a reasonable regret for her death. 
before his wife was even dead, he sent a proposal of marriage to Elizabeth, but she rejected him. 30 years later, Philip attempted to invade England with the might of the Spanish Armada, but Elizabeth won an unlikely victory and sent him packing. Queen Elizabeth I reigned for 45 years of economic and artistic success in England. Her legacy far outshines that of her older sister, who has since been popularly vilified with a heavy helping of misogyny as both bloodthirsty and fierce and spineless and weak. While perhaps not the most brilliant queen England ever had, historians are now re-examining Mary's life through the lens of her popularity with the common people and the successes she did have in spite of the constraints set on women of the time and her premature death. Elizabeth was buried on top of Mary in Westminster Abbey, and the following inscription was placed on their shared tomb. Consorts in realm and tomb, we sisters, Elizabeth and Mary, here lie in sleep in hope of the resurrection. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and give it a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'll be putting out new episodes each Tuesday, revisiting and revamping my most popular YouTube videos. Thank you for listening. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.